0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life Okay. We really hope you enjoy it. We're talking about the temple. It's really cool, just even what we've sung so far. Um, Today I want to talk about in building our temple, that our temple is set apart. And if you're in the room today, that's already happened to you there's probably been several indications where he set you apart for his purposes and so no know, know that this is you. So you can just say that that's this is me. It's for me. Um, so what isn't what is that process of becoming set apart? I think today I want to help us see clearer and maybe even break off some bad definitions of what it means when he calls us set apart. Um, some other words for that are also holy, or he'll reference a remnant. Um, and even inheritance is, is also in line with that. So what's interesting is that in the Old Testament, um, it talks about it a lot, specifically in the way that they built the temple. Um, they would specify each time, make sure the priests do this and this and this and that it's set apart. Uh, Make sure that you set apart the Sabbath day. Make sure you um, clean the sacrifices um, this certain way to set them apart from the other sacrifices. You know, it had to be a very particular type, very clean animal, usually no spots. Um, What the people eat, even it said what the laymen eat, Um, had to be set apart. Um, The location of the temple itself had to be set apart. It's crazy. If you go through Exodus, search set apart, and it will come up a lot. Um, It even said that priests had to change their clothes from the sanctuary to the outer court because even what they were wearing in the presence was considered holy and set apart and not for general people. And so I thought that was really cool. And so I think that um, when Jesus came, he prescribed a new way for us to be set apart, that we didn't have to actually do all of these actions to, to be set apart. So I'm going to pray really quick. I thank you for your son. And I Thank you for his sacrifice. And so I just say on behalf of everyone in the room today that we accept and receive what it is that you did for us to set us apart in Jesus' name. Uh, I've got so much scripture. It's really cool. Um, So today's the 11th, and so many of my scriptures are in the chapter of 11, Um, so it'll be really fun. Romans 11, uh, 1 through 7, I'm in the Passion It says, so then I ask you this question, did God really push aside and reject his people? Absolutely not. For I myself, a descendant of Abraham, God has not rejected his chosen destined people. So there's some truth right there. This is God's response. You are not alone, for I have preserved a remnant for myself. 7,000 others who are faithful and have refused to worship other gods. And that is but one example of what God is doing in this age of fulfillment. For God's grace empowers his chosen remnant. And so I just want to emphasize that right there, that when we are set apart, there's actually a grace and empowerment to walk out the purposes that he has for you specifically. Here's, here's where it breaks it down. And since it is by God's grace, it can't be a matter of their good works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift of grace, but earned by human effort. So then Israel failed to achieve what it had strived for, but the divinely chosen remnant receives it by grace. And so that's a big key that I think he wants us to take hold of today is that we are those divinely chosen to receive it by grace. There is this footnote in Ephesians um, 1 that says, um, notice that God is the one who makes us holy, but our response is to be faithful or devoted. And so we're not the ones that are trying to make ourselves holy. We don't even have to try to be set apart, he's already done that work. The moment we accept him, he says, nope. yeah. set apart." Maybe even physically, there's been so he'll take you out of a fr- friend group, he'll take you out of a relationship, he'll take you out of a job um, when you're following him because you're listening to his voice. So you don't have to worry about even in that lane because he's the one who's doing it. It's all about are you devoted? This is back in Romans. It starts with Abraham. It's really cool um, because Abraham is pre-Jesus, but he basically says that Abraham didn't receive it by his works either. And so it says in Romans 4, Was it by his good works of keeping the law? No, for if it was by the things he did, he would have something to boast about. But no one boasts before God. Listen to what the scriptures say. Because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. So there's that faithfulness, that devotedness, his belief, because he was already considered holy, set apart. Abraham is such a good example, you know, because God said, leave everything and go do this new thing. And he kind of did it, but he didn't do it. But God's really cool and yeah, he's still, he's considered the father of faith. So it says, because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness so if you're trying to do that, it's a failed attempt because you can't. It can listen to this. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. So if you want the transfer of holiness, you want the transfer of righteousness, if you want to be considered right in his eyes, don't rely on your own what you can do. But believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in His eyes. Yes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. And so, I just want to help us if we're if there are places that we're still seeing ourselves as ungodly, to declare that as righteous, because that's what He says. It's just a really easy way to practice with faith. Later on, it says in Romans four. Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness, how how whole, complete, complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. Here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by the blood. Yes. Was that you? Yes. yes. What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them. I will never hold your sins against you. Thank you Papa. Hear that over yourself today. I will never Hold yourselves against you. And I've talked about this just in snippets before, but when we act like our sin is a thing, when he's forgiven it, we're actually living in a reality that is not his reality. Because he actually has the ability to remove it from history because he's the only one that has the remembrance. And so he says, Oh, yeah, I'm going to forget that this ever happened and we're trying to talk to him about something that he doesn't even see anymore. I will never hold your sins against you. Now think about it. Does this happiness come only? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Does it only come to the Jews or is it available to all who believe? Our answer is this, faith was credited to Abraham as God's righteousness. And so just to start us out in talking about being set apart, that the way we are even made set apart is through Jesus. It's not anything that we can do on our own, but it's just our simple belief in him that says, Whoop, I'm in a different place. And such a good feeling to know. And I think that, I think it's easy when you come into the kingdom at the beginning to realize and to see the transformation of like, I was one way, but now I'm this way. But I think as we continue um, to live in society and live in culture, we have to be careful not to let culture come back in with its definitions and its way of, of accountability that is false to say, well, you did this and you did this. you know, We're just afforded a different freedom as his, as his followers. Here it is about Abraham again. It said, God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would have an heir who would reign over the world. That's Jesus, yeah. This royal promise was not fulfilled because Abraham kept all the law, but through the righteousness that was transferred by faith. There we see it again, that faith, simple belief, actually gives us that transfer of righteousness. You can't get the transfer through your works. It's through faith. For keeping the law earns the inheritance. Then faith is robbed of its power and the promise becomes useless. This is really big because we will do this and then wonder why we don't experience any power in our lives. That's because we're living by the law and we're not living um, in the faith that he has called us to which is outside of the law, which is motivated by his heart, which will usually produce some sort of uncomfortability. (laughs) We want faith to keep its power because that's what entices people to come to know him, is its power that we could believe so extravagantly and um, see it happen. for the law provokes punishment and where no law exists there cannot be a violation of the law now this will mess you up with the law there has to be there has to be punishment cuz you if you don't follow it the result is punishment but god never intended the law he intended to write on our hearts which is why it says where no law exists, there can't be a violation of law because that's not even the way that he, it's that equation thing. It's not the way that he intended for us to be motivated by a law that would keep us in check to say, oh, you're not doing right. It would be that we would be set apart in being motivated by his heart to say, oh, you have this preference. I'm going to do this. Oh, you have this way. I'm going to do this. But we... As humans, we like the law. <laughs> you know, but we it actually produces a lot of bondage in us um, because we have to stay to a cycle that Jesus paid for. And so we're saying that we believe, again, it's that thing, it robs it of its power. We believe that he can do what he says he can do, but we keep this additional symptom, system in place that's an idol um, to keep us in check because we don't trust him that he will be able to with his love, his keeping hand. The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift and now it extends to all the descendants of Abraham. Say, that's me. That's me. Yes, there we are. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of this all. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, became the father of many nations. And so that's a promise that um, is actually in our lineage that we can attain. We actually have access to this faith, um, not only because of Jesus, but because of Abraham. So much goodness. This is still in Romans. Um, Further down, it's talking about Abraham. And it said, he never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. It was his faith that actually strengthened him to be able to father. And so I know specifically in this house that many of us have been called to be mothers and fathers spiritually. And this is how you access that ability is in your faith and your belief. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. So the way that you give him glory is believe what he says. Believe he, ha- he can do it. Do you believe he can do it? So now you can see why Abraham's faith was credited to his account as righteousness before God. And this declaration was not just spoken over Abraham, but also over us. For when we believe and embrace the one who brought our Lord Jesus back to life, perfect righteousness will be credited to our account as well. Yeah. So... What are we even set apart for, for him? Jeremiah 2, 3 says, Israel was holy, something set apart from ordinary purposes, consecrated to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest, in which no outsider was allowed to share. Um, We prayed over Generation Z yesterday. We prayed over a lot of them, but we specified Generation Z. And this is something that they really understand but in a counterfeit way, yeah. they understand what it means to be set apart, and I actually think it's it's Papa's purpose for them to tap into that. It just is not routed towards Him right now, and so it was really cool because we just basically prayed that rerouting of that passion um, to be for Him. And so, in being the purpose and being set apart for Him is so that we get to be with him. And um, the enemy knows that, and he actually knows how much we receive in the place of intimacy, like what we are experiencing in worship today. And so he will fight to the nail to make sure that we don't experience it, or we become distracted, or we even believe that it's not possible to live from a place of intimacy, that we actually have to step outside of intimacy to get things done, to come up with solutions, and so I see this happen a lot, and I have experienced it personally, where um, fear will try to come in and in my place of intimacy and tell me um, that it could co- that it could actually cause a negative outcome, that I'm hanging out with God, and that we're, you know what I mean? Such a lie. Okay, we're jumping to the end of the Bible. Um, Not my message yet. (laughs) Revelation 11. Here's another 11. The cool thing, this uh, section is titled, Measuring the Temple. Do we like to be measured? It says, Then a measuring rod, like a staff, this is John the Beloved talking, was given to me, and I was told, Rise and measure God's temple. And the altar and count those who worship in it, but exclude the courtyard outside the temple, for it has been given over to the nations. I thought it was interesting that it said that, um, because I think again, he is really just wanting to emphasize what's going on in here for us. So many times we can get stuck on what's going on out here, but that's not, he's not focused on that. He's actually able to. Um, display his power from the inside out, and it's so what he's wanting to do. Um, Revelation is crazy, you guys. Um, he's talking about there's like seven angels, and seven scrolls, and seven bowls, lots of stuff. Um, and it says, Then the seventh angel, this is later down in Revelation 11. Sounded his trumpet and a loud voice broke forth in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our God and his anointed one. He will reign supreme for an eternity of eternities. This is happening right now Um, in the footnote under that part where it says the kingdom of the world. It is the kingdom of finance, culture, government, both religious and secular. Both religious and secular kingdoms of finance, culture, and government are are being turned into the kingdom of God. So that tells me there are religious uh, systems set up in these areas that he is overthrowing, not just secular. And so what he was talking to me about in that, um, he was emphasizing culture to me and how much I think we don't realize that culture plays an emphasis on so many things. Um, Our taste, our preference, what we like, what is socially acceptable, um, what's a way to interact with friends, with family. Um, It really embeds itself in there and it's not kingdom. And so he's wanting us to look at where we get our definitions on how to be a people, how to interact with others. 2 Chronicles 30, it says, Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord God of their fathers, so that He made them lifeless and desolate. Just as you see. Is anybody triggered yet? Um, You know, it's just really simple. Either you serve God or you don't. There's not any in between. And so if somebody's not serving him and you're wanting to serve him you don't have much in common because your foundation are two totally different things and so naturally you'll just not see eye to eye on a lot of things and so when he says that i think that again i think society has so gotten to shape um our definitions of family and I really think he wants to break us free out of them so we can step into true family, godly family, um, so we can really experience that. And so if if our fathers and our brothers or mothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, blah, 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 aren't faithful to him, that's what he's talking about. This reminded me of Tracy, the stiff neck fool. It says, shout out Tracy. uh." Now do not stiffen your neck, become obstinate like your fathers, but yield to the Lord and come to a sanctuary which he has sanctified and set apart forever. And serve the Lord your God. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers, in parentheses it says relatives, and your children will find compassion in the presence of those who led them away captive. And we'll return to this land. That's that promise. Um, And so it says to return to the Lord. And so he's always got to um, have our gaze. It says he will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. That's what we're saying today. And so I felt like God wanted me to share a little bit about my life, my quirky life. Um, And just I am really just now seeing the ways that he has set me apart that I thought was coincidence and it wasn't. Um, You know, I'll preface this by saying that we have to be careful not to, again, put our own definitions on how God will speak to us. um, Because it will limit the way that God actually created our gifts to work. Acts 20, 32, and the Amplified says, And now I commend you to God, placing you in His protective, loving care, and I commend you to the word of His grace, which is the counsel and promises of His unmerited favor. His grace is able to build you up and to give you the rightful inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That is among those who are set apart for God's purpose, all believers. And so that is a promise right there that I am that I am holding on to, that I'm experiencing my inheritance now because I'm among those who have said yes to being set apart. And so I want to say that for all of us too, that we are getting our inheritance now. And, and it may not have looked like what we thought. Whatever we set ourselves apart for, we will have. So if we set ourselves apart for money, that's what we'll have. That's what we'll make our goal. That's what our life will be about. If we set ourselves apart, what's crazy is that there are things that sound good that aren't God. Like, uh, let's set ourselves apart for peace. Well, if it's not him, because peace is a person, um, we're actually not experiencing the person of him. The way that we can tell is that we still don't have it. Um, It's not permanent. There are a lot of substitutes. We are set apart for him, which means we get to have him. This is in Revelations, some more trippy stuff. Okay, just put on your imagination caps and listen to this. Imagine, when he's talking about the temple, imagine that being our hearts. Okay. It says, I looked and behold, I saw a white cloud and sitting upon it was one like the son of man wearing a golden crown and holding a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, shouting out to the one sitting upon the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, for the time of reaping the harvest has come, and the harvest of the earth is ripe. So the one sitting upon the white cloud gave his sickle a mighty swing over the earth and reaped its harvest. Then another angel came out of the heavenly temple. Remember, we're we're imagining this is our hearts. And he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar of incense, the angel with the authority over fire. He shouted out with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, saying, Take now your sharp sickle and harvest the clusters of the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So then the angel gave his sickle a mighty swing over the earth and gathered the grapes from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great. great. The great winepress, threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Um, And I don't want us to get messed up because the passion shows that that's actually the passion of God. So let me say that again. So the angel gave his sickle a mighty swing over the earth and gathered the grapes from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the passion of God. And so, what he was showing me is that what we house in our hearts becomes harvest for Jesus. Come on. That our belief, again, it's tied back to the very beginning about our faith. Our faith is actually a signal to be done what he desires to be done on the earth. And so, that's why we've got to be sure to cultivate this set apartness in our temples because. Um, it's an indicator for him of what's ready to come. And so we want to partner with his vision and his heart over the earth and be cultivating truth. I think yesterday in prayer was just such a good example of cultivating truth over what he's wanting to do right now over the earth. So then we can say, let's do this. And he's like, yeah, and harvests it. It's a lucky day for you guys. You're getting out early. (laughs) I just have one little bit um, from Revelation 21. Um, This is right at the very end of Revelation. He's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And it says, Then in a vision I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and earth had passed away and the sea no longer existed. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God. Like a pre, like a pleasing bride that been had been prepared for her husband, adorned for her wedding, and I heard a thunderous voice from the throne saying, "Look, whoo! God's tabernacle is with human beings, and from now on He will tabernacle with them as their God, and God Himself will have His home with them." God with them will be their God. This is the goal. This is the reason that he calls our temple to be set apart. He never wanted it to be in a building. He always wanted it to be inside of us. It says that one of the seven angels came and said, Come, I will show you the beautiful bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away into the realm of the Spirit, to the top of a great high mountain. There he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. This is us. Descending out of heaven from God. It was infused with the glory of God. And it's crazy. um, Revelation ends, um, this chapter ends saying that there wasn't any more temple in the city. Because the temple was God himself. The Almighty and the Lamb. And it says, the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The people will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their wealth into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, standing always open, because there is no night there. People will bring glory and wealth of the nations into it. And so that's the promise of what he has over our lives. If we will Live a life set apart for him. And so there's just a, a question on his heart today of will you, will you accept the invitation? There's been so many instances in all of our lives where he has pulled us out very purposely. And if we're not careful, we'll think we just got out of a bad situation. But he was taking us into him. It's always for him. So we've got to redirect that thing. And so I just want to pray over us really quick as we end today. Papa, I just thank you for my life and the testimony of my life. I thank you for the way that you set me apart, that you brought me to a place that I would thrive. And so I speak that truth over everybody who's hearing my voice, that you have been set apart for the one true God. And so I speak a grace in that process to clean our houses, to make a temple worthy for you. And I just say we won't restrict you anymore. We want you to come and have your way in us. So I just bless us today as we are building ourselves to be so beautiful to you. In Jesus' name.